0: Open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 15. I'm going to be closing the message series this morning entitled Away With Words. Finishing that up today uh, starting something new then next week. Next week I want to start a series entitled Relationship Rehab. I want us to talk about what emotionally healthy relationships look like for those of us who have the Holy Spirit, for those of us who are believers. Some of this comes out of just my hunch that after 2020, uh, I know we're, we're, in 20, we're almost done with 2021, but 2020 was so traumatizing for so many of us. The pandemic, the politics, and everything just continues to linger, and it has affected the way people relate to one another uh, in, in a really negative way, I'm afraid. People are less polite. People are less patient. People are less considerate of others. People, uh, even believers, are often less likely to share the gospel, less likely to show love and gentleness. Uh, we need to come back to what it means to love like Jesus loved. So next week we'll start relationship rehab. Today let's finish up by talking about uh, our, our words from Proverbs chapter 15 verse 23. Now, I'm reading Proverbs from the word of the Lord, but your grandma probably had a proverb too, and she probably, it's not in the Bible, but, you know, your grandma had some authority too. Uh, Your grandma probably said, if you can't say something good, what? Don't say anything at all. Yeah, y'all, you all 'all, uh, you quote your grandma better than you quote the Bible. Um, If you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Now, we hear that, and we all, I think we all recognize the truth of that. And it's funny how many of you, after these sermons, have come up to me and said, Hey, Pastor Tim, my grandma used to say, and you would quote that to me, If you can't say something good. Um, who said that first? Was it Thumper in Bambi? Did, did I have this vague memory of Thumper saying that? Y'all look at me like y'all don't know who Thumper is. We'll, we'll stay with your grandma. Your grandma said, If you can't say something good. The thing about that, that, that little you know, saying is that most of us get from that uh, the simple message that you know, silence is an option. If you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. You hear that don't say anything and you recognize that sometimes you just need to, to not talk. Whatever it was is about to come out of your mouth, it wasn't good, so don't say it. It doesn't need to be said. Just let it die while it's still just a wicked thought before it becomes something wicked you say. Don't say anything at all. If you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Silence is an option. But you understand, there are two sides to that old saying. If you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Silence is an option, but you know what else is an option? You could have something good to say. Did that ever cross your mind? You could actually have something good to say. We've talked about lying. We've talked about gossip. We've talked about all of the ways that we can sin and speak destructively, literally speak death with our words. But can we just take a moment today and talk about the ways in which we can speak life-giving words? You can have something good to say. Now, we've been saying all along that your ability to give the Spirit control over your mouth is a pretty good sign of your progress in Christ, your progress as you mature in the faith. I mean, this is what James says. It's really a mark of maturity. So you know that this is something that the Holy Spirit is trying to do, is wanting to do. This is one of the ways in which we're all always growing in the way that we talk. So what does that look like? As the Spirit takes control of your mouth, what's that look like? What does that feel like? How does that work? Well, it's going to feel a whole lot like you saying a lot less of the things that you ought not say, and you're saying a whole lot more of the things that need to be said. Life-giving words, words from the Spirit. This is where you want to grow, and this is the way you want your mouth to go. So how does that work? How do you say less of these things and more of these things? How does that change happen? How do you change bad habits? Well, I would say it this way. Bad habits are more easily replaced than erased. So it's a whole lot easier to take these things that ought not be said, and rather than just not say them, learn to replace them with the things that need to be said. Does that make sense? I've told y'all before about my very short and, and, and disastrous bowling career. I, I took a bowling class in college because I thought it would be an easy credit. Because you got to have PE, and y'all know, you know, it was for me and my sports abilities. It was between bowling and clogging. Like <laughs> clogging was a class too, which Casey took actually. For a, <laughs> we belong together, y'all. Um, <laughs> That was Casey's PE credit. So I took bowling. Now, bowling seems simple enough to me. You just roll the ball down the middle of the lane and hit the pins, right? It's simple. Rednecks do it all the time. I can do this. I know I can do this. Turns out I can't do it. You know why I can't bowl? There are pins at the end of the lane, but between me and the pins, there are gutters on both sides. And those gutters, you know, they just have this ability to pull my ball in, but, but that's, not really, that's not really the truth. The gutters have the ability to pull my brain in. So when I'm standing at the front of the lane looking at the pins, I'm saying in my head, I'm not going to roll it in the gutter. I'm not going to roll it in the gutter. I'm not going to roll it in the gutter. So then I, I pull back and I bowl, and what do I do? In the gutter. Every time in the gutter. Now, why? Because my focus is on the gutter, even though I'm looking at the pins in my mind, I'm saying, "I'm gonna rub, I'm gonna, gonna roll, I'm gonna roll in the gutter, I'm gonna roll it in the gutter, and I, and I roll it in the gutter every time." My focus is in the gutter, even though the goal is for the pins. So when I say bad habits are more easily replaced than, than erased, like like you may just like you're trying not to cuss, and so while you try not to cuss, uh, you, like you're just gonna not cuss. And so you spend your whole day thinking about not cussing, but that's not that different from spending the whole day thinking about cussing, because cussing is still your focus. It's hard to quit gossiping by focusing on not gossiping, because gossip is still your focus. Bad habits are more easily replaced than erased. So let's talk about the, the, the things that need to be said, the things that we need to begin speaking more habitually, so that these old habits will just fall away. Does it make sense? This is how the spirit works. We're gonna replace those old speech habits with new habits, the things that need to be said. Start with me in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23. Just one proverb. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. The proverb is talking about what we call a word in season a word in season that just means man that that person who is able to say exactly the right thing at exactly the right moment in exactly the right way you know it's just something so well said so perfectly said so well timed so well spoken See, you can do that. You can do that all the time. You can learn how to do that all the time. How to speak words that are in season, how to say the right thing at the right time, because as it turns out, there are certain things that are always in season. There are certain words, or certain things you could say that are never ever gonna be out of place. Now remember how we said that words will reveal your heart, but words will also steer your heart. So by making sure that your mouth speaks the things that need to be said, you will literally steer your heart more toward the things that need to be felt. You with me? So let's start with the first thing. The first thing I would say is thanksgiving, and this comes from the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul says, give thanks in everything. So this tells me that in every situation, thanksgiving, being able to speak words of gratitude, that's always appropriate. You're probably never going to mess up if you just always manage to give thanks, to express gratitude. That's always good, and everybody likes that. Everybody likes to hear words of gratitude. Now, this is true in your relational life every day. It's very, very true in your spiritual life. You come into God's presence with thanksgiving. This is one of the primary ways you align your heart for worship. Come into his gates with thanksgiving, the psalmist says. Thanksgiving, these are words that are just always, always in season. Learn to say thank you to God, to others. Learn to express gratitude. Because an ungrateful heart is something very difficult to manage. I remember in the Exodus, when the children of Israel were out in the wilderness and and they were going to starve because there's millions of them, and they need to be fed, and there's no food in the wilderness. So they cry out to God, and what does God do? God rains down bread from heaven. They called it manna. Just bread rains down from heaven. Can you imagine the first time that happened? I mean, the very, very first time that they cry out in hunger, and all of the sudden, bread from heaven. it, It just comes down. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the people's uh, astonishment? Can you imagine their wonder and amazement? You know, people would hold it in their hands. People would you know, catch it on their tongues like a snowflake, let it melt like cotton candy. They, they walked around saying, what is it? What is it? And, and it was amazing. They would get up early just to go and sit outside and watch it fall for the day. It was such a miracle and they gave thanks to God for it. And they spoke with words of wonder and gratitude and amazement at this everyday miracle. Who would have thought? Who could have imagined? And how wonderful it is that God would just feed his people in a miraculous way every single day. Everything that they needed just raining down bread from heaven. not that amazing? It's an amazing miracle. But y'all know the story, Right? Like that first day, they were catching it and holding it and looking at it and letting it melt on their tongues, and that went on for a while, but you know how you can get used to anything? It doesn't matter how beautiful, how wonderful, it doesn't matter what a miracle it is, if you see it every day, it just begins to seem less miraculous. So they ate that manna for breakfast, lunch, and supper every single day as it rained from heaven. Until one day somebody said, I'm getting tired of this. I need some variety in, in, in my diet. Oh, I remember back in Egypt we had cucumbers and garlic. That's what they said, y'all. We had cucumbers and garlic and leeks. I'd, I'd kill for a leek. I don't i to do anything for some garlic. It, it's, all we got this manna. So they started trying to dress it up, you know. I mean, somebody, you know, you know put cracker crumbs and cheese whiz on top and called it a casserole. And, and they traded that around for a while. On cold nights, they made soup out of it, you know. I mean, they tried it in the air fryer. They tried it in the instant pot. I mean, they traded ideas on, on Pinterest, you know. But before long, they're just like, this stuff is making me sick. The kids said it tasted like barf. You know, I mean, it started out this everyday miracle, this everyday astonishment and wonder, and it just turns into complaining and criticizing and griping, and it doesn't matter that God is raining down bread from heaven. They're done with it. Understand? So there's complaining coming out of their mouths when it ought to be thanksgiving. How do you explain that? The only explanation for that is, man, When you begin to complain, that just tells me that you're taking your miracles for granted. Everyday miracles, the way God provides for you, the way God blesses you. I mean, honestly, you all, we are a very blessed people, very privileged people. God is so good to us. And yet, some of us we gripe, we complain, there is nothing good enough for us. Man, we drive cars. That, that your grandparents couldn't even imagine. I mean, the amazing automobiles parked in this parking lot. You know, but some of you right now, you hate your car. You yeah, hate this car. It smells like barf. Yeah, that, that's it, probably because, you know, it does. But, but isn't it amazing how we get like that? How we can complain about the job that we have. Do you remember on day one of that job how excited you were to have it? How you called your mama and said, you well, I got my dream job. And now this dream job is driving you into an early grave. Isn't it funny how we can learn to despise things that actually we once loved. How we can learn to complain about things that once we, 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 we praise with gratitude. I'm telling you, when complaining and criticism begin to roll out of your mouth, it's a pretty good sign that you have become somewhat ungrateful for the good things God has given you. The everyday miracles, just because you have it every day doesn't mean it's not a miracle. And just because you're tired of it doesn't mean it's not something you should be thanking God for every day of your life. I'm just saying Thanksgiving is always in order. And the more you learn to speak words of gratitude and thanks, the more you will steer your heart toward contentment and satisfaction. Make sense? The more you criticize and complain, the more you will learn to hate your own life. Give thanks, Paul says, in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's will for you. Yeah, thanksgiving. Second thing I would say is... uh, is harder. Confession, I'll just say confession. You know, Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you've never really understood this connection, let me make the connection for you. It's sin that poisons your heart. It's sin that poisons your heart. And confession is uh, the way that On an everyday, sometimes more than everyday basis, we just have to continue to ask the Lord to cleanse our heart. I mean, the words are coming from a heart that is poisoned by sin, so confession is the only way to align your heart with the heart of God. So this kid got out of college but didn't have a job, and so he decided that the smartest thing to do would be move back home with Mama. Um... You know, until he could find a job. So that's what he had to move back in with mama. He was kind of embarrassed about it because it felt weird. you know. Because no matter what you accomplish in life, when you go back to mama's house, you become an 11-year-old kid again. You know. And so he was trying not to become an 11-year-old kid again, but it happened. You know? So before long, mom was giving him all of his old chores back, you know, like he was 11. But it's appropriate. He's a grown man. He needs to take responsibility, Right. So one of the things that was going to be his job, if he's going to live in the house rent free, um, and so one of the jobs was to take out the trash, just like when he was eleven, take out the trash every single day. And he did that for a while because he wanted to, you know, be good to his mama and show her that he was mature and all of that. But then, you know, that fell away. So before long, the trash was just piling up in the kitchen. Y'all know about trash that piles up? I mean, you know, that, that leftover chicken from the other night and those boiled eggs that went in there on Saturday. You know, it, it just really started to, to stink in, in the house. The boy knew that his mom was trying to be really patient. She was just trying not to nag him, just trying to hope and pray to God that that boy would just take responsibility and take the trash out. But the idiot just, you know, kept walking right by him. I mean, he just was not taking the trash out. And then every time he'd see his mama, he he could see it on her face, or or at least he thought he could see it on her face. She never really said anything, but he just started thinking, oh, you know, every time she opens her mouth, she's about to say, boy, take the trash out. This house stinks. But she never did say it. But every time he saw her, he felt like she would say it. So he just sort of started avoiding her because he didn't want to have to talk about the trash. Now, y'all know there's a really easy fix to all of this. Like he's, you know, coming home after bedtime, you know, so he won't have to face his mama. But, you know, this whole time, there's a simple way to fix this. What is it? Take it out. Take the trash out. So this, you know, weirdness in the relationship between him and his mama, it had everything to do with that garbage piling up, and all he ever had to do was just take it out. See, when it comes to the sin in your heart, it's kind of like that garbage that piles up in your kitchen. You have to have a very regular habit of taking out the garbage, taking out the garbage, taking out the sin that accumulates in your heart. And you cannot do this on your own. That's why you need Jesus. And so that's why as a believer, all of your sins forgiven at the cross of Christ, of course that's true. But the scripture also reminds you that you have to come before him and confess your sins. Confess your sins and he will forgive your sins. But I'm telling you, it's really hard to find forgiveness for a sin that you won't even admit. Confess your sins. Now, in life every day, understand if this isn't a habit, if you really don't have a habit of coming before the Lord and pouring your heart out and naming your sins one by one before Him, I'm telling you, you've probably got some spiritual issues. If you're not confessing, can I just say to you, it's not because you don't have sin. If you're not coming before the Lord to say, I'm sorry, Lord. Help me make this right. Forgive me, Lord. I mean, if that's not a regular part of your prayer life, there's something missing in your prayer life. For that matter, in your everyday relationships, it's it's the same principle. If you spend your time always thinking about what everybody else has done wrong, But you never ever think for a moment about what you've done wrong, then it becomes very easy to judge people, very easy to criticize people, very, very easy to gossip against people because you've got it in your head that you're okay and everybody else is messed up. Do you understand what I'm saying? confession is this amazing way that you learn to speak and it will steer your heart toward humility. It will steer your heart in such a way where you don't go out into the world thinking that, that you're the one that's right and everybody else is wrong. Now, I'm not saying you know, you're supposed to you know, pile up on yourself and, and get depressed and, and, and wallow in your guilt. No. Confess your sin and let Jesus take it away. He takes it away. You don't have to live with guilt and shame. That's the point. Jesus takes it away. But, but you've got to learn to confess your sins. Confess your sins. So if the words I'm sorry and I forgive you aren't somehow a regular part of your life with the Lord and your life with other people, then I strongly encourage you to start there. Man, learning to just stop every day and confess your sins, that will probably, you know, kind of break your desire to gossip about other people because you're reminding yourself every day that you got problems too. You know? Whole lot harder to go out and judge and criticize other people when you spend some time counting your own sins one by one. It's a lot harder to get on your high horse. When you come down before the Lord every single day in humility, confess your sins to the Lord and, and find forgiveness. I'll just say it this way. It's, it's hard to criticize, judge, or gossip about others when you see yourself as a person in constant need of grace and forgiveness. The only way to get there is through confession. It's, it's, it's through confession. Confession. One last thing, again, from Paul, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. He says this, en- encourage one another and build each other up, as indeed you're doing, he says. En- encourage one another. Um, just words of encouragement, you all. Um, some of you know what this is. Most of you don't have any idea what this is. This lives in my office. It's my black box If the church ever goes down, y'all, go get my black box. Uh, I'm kind of serious. This is my my black box. I have 25 years of good stuff. Uh, Words of encouragement from you all. I save them all. I have a 1,000 cards from Odell and Sheila in in here. I, 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 I save it all. I save it all. Christmas cards are kept in another place at home. And Casey says, why do you keep Christmas cards? I don't know. I don't know. It's just a habit that I developed a long time ago. Because not all the words that come my way are encouraging. I get other words too. So I just sort of decided a long time ago that, that when a word is spoken that is hurtful or discouraging, I try to just let that go. But the words that are encouraging, I try to hang on to them, you know? And it's just kind of a glorious thing. Um this is it's, it's I don't I don't curate or organize any of this you all. Uh I can tell you who this is from. This is a card with cats on it which means it has to come from Marie Smalling. She's, the poor lady really thinks that she'll make me love cats. Um please enjoy this fine collection of cat photos with my compliments. Um <laughs> from Marie. I knew you'd love these precious babies if you don't shame on you. Uh, We are so thankful for you and pray that God will abundantly bless you and your precious family. Heaps of love, Henry and Marie. Yeah. About every other word is underlined. I love it. Shame on you. (laughs) Yeah, that's Marie. I love that. There's a picture of Alec and Ava. I love these kids. They love me and it's just fun. This was just like last year. Uh, I love that. I don't know what else in here, um, <laughs> it's a card from my dad, dearest Tim, I praise the Lord daily for the wonderful Christian man you've grown up to be, you're such a blessing to your mother and I, I love you with all my heart, dad, <laughs> I don't know why I wrote in this side, that's weird. <laughs> um. Oh, y'all, <laughs> this is a postcard from Brett Hightower from Bosnia <laughs> in 2003 when he was stationed there. Tim, I was on patrol last week, and we happened upon a small church up in the mountains. The church was built in 1216 The assistant priest took us inside to look at the drawings on the wall. Some of the pictures were 600 years old. He told us it was one of the oldest churches in Bosnia. The Turkish Empire tried to destroy it at one time. Um, I look forward to getting back to Woodburn and seeing everyone. Uh, Brett Hightower, isn't that cool? I love that. I'm not going to do the whole box, y'all. I promise. (laughs) Casey, uh, I probably can't read it. you're the most amazing man, wonderful pastor, awesome dad, and loving husband. I'm so glad to be home. I love you. I love you. I love you, Casey. That's sweet. Yeah, I love this stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this started as a joke, but now we do it every year. I crashed Teddy Martin and Stephanie's Christmas picture one year like their family Christmas picture, they'd always do it at the Christmas Eve service, and now they just put me in it. <laughs> so every year, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in that. I, th- I think that's hilarious. It's just so funny. Um, here's a picture. Uh, this is, here's Clint. This is a picture Clint Jones drew me at some point. Uh, I think this is me. Clint, is this me? Can you interpret any of this? It's, a, it's amazing. And this is Tom. Clint, I can tell you spent more time than Tom did uh, uh, on that yeah, I just, I just, I just save it all. Um, it, it, it's, it's just amazing to me. Um, Amy and Chris William. Uh Tim, I'm blessed to have you as my pastor. Um, go Mason, check it out, man. Look, uh, December 2nd. 2012 (laughs) you're the best pastor p-a-s-t-e-r um you're the best pastor i've had i'm the only pastor you've had but i appreciate that (laughs) i like i like your funny jokes i love it when you split the bread in half then you give it out i love it when you sing your voice is awesome it is like heaven (laughs) thanks man Uh, Someday I hope to get baptized by you. Yeah, so cool. Um, I appreciate your teaching, your preparation, and your dedication. I'm truly blessed to have you as my pastor. Amy and Chris. Um, um, words of encouragement. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, Brother Tim, I'd like to begin by saying how much I respect. And admire the passion you have for God. It's from Frank Wright. Way back in the day. <laughs> this, this is just something dumb I kept. This is my son Wade. This was an offering envelope from the pew. And on this particular Sunday, he gave nine hundred ninety nine trillion, nine hundred ninety nine billion, nine hundred ninety nine million, nine hundred ninety nine thousand dollars to the building program. <laughs> so... Uh, So I hope that check doesn't go through anytime (laughs) soon, yeah. Um, You can criticize and uh, complain to people. You can use your words for that. Um, Or you can think sometimes good things but don't manage to ever say them. I just want to remind you that words of encouragement are always in season. And every one of us um, needs to hear these things. It's not that hard. Now these are written words, and I guess most of the time we've been talking about spoken words, but yeah, um, I don't know that there's any real difference. And, and sometimes we write better than we speak. Sometimes it's worth it to down to write something out. Uh, I love technology, but, you know, nobody's ever going to bring out a box of text messages, you you know. Uh, It just won't happen. Uh, Maybe write something down on paper that that can be saved. Um, And when somebody does say something that hurts your feelings or rubs you the wrong way or, you know, uh, let that go. Let that go. They may not have meant it. If they did mean it, you don't have to take it to heart. Let it go. But, but, but when somebody says something good, you know, um, put that in your heart and save it forever. You know? Paul says encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you're doing. Paul recognized that it was happening. It just needs to happen more. So can I just wrap up this whole sermon series by just saying, y'all, there are lots and lots of things that ought not be said, and uh, the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us not to use our mouths to tear people down, to to burn things down. Um, If you can't say something good, don't say anything at all, but, you know, it's not that hard to have something good to say. So have something good to say. Some things really, really need to be said, and so... When next you open your mouth, say those things. Pray with me. Lord God, I thank you so much for this amazing family that you created here at Woodburn. I thank you, Lord, for the way that we can love each other. I thank you, Lord, for the ways in which we can encourage one another. Will you just help us, Lord, to do it more and more? Lord, a lot of us, we waste a lot of breath complaining and criticizing and judging and gossiping, lying, Lord, but just pray that you would take all of those things out of our mouths, Lord, and in the place, Lord, just give us words of gratitude and confession and encouragement so that, Lord, with every word, with every breath, Lord, we speak, we would be able to bring life to those around us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the word of life. Amen.